this morning. You know, I look at my lesson here this morning, and it says on the screen behind me that, does baptism save us? Why do you think it's important to ask questions like this and answer questions like this from time to time? Does everybody in Christendom believe that baptism saves us? There are those sometimes in pews within the churches of Christ who do not believe that baptism saves us because at the end of the day they may have came out of a denominational background where maybe they were taught something differently. And so we need to be able to have answers for individuals uh, when questions arise. I mean, are we not to be ready in season and out of season? to rebuke, to teach with, with, with long patience and instruction. And so we are ready to, we need to be always ready to give answers to those who would ask. So this morning, our, our, the, uh, our passage that we're going to look at is in 1 Peter chapter 3 and 21. That is going to be the crux of this lesson here today. And when we think about 1 Peter 3, 21, uh, I want us to understand that we're going to look at baptism in a few different lights. The first that we're going to look at baptism is through the antitype for salvation. We're also going to look at the method and the response. So the method is baptism as Christ's method for salvation, and the baptism is man's response for said salvation. So we're going to look at the antitype, the method, and the response that we need to make. And so, brothers and sisters, it's crucial that each person understands that baptism saves us. Because every person who is not baptized, who comes to the saving knowledge of the Lord, needs to then put on Christ in order to be saved. Who here can be saved outside of Christ? Isn't any and all, uh, any and all people alive today, aren't they only saved if they're in Christ? Well, how do you get in Christ? You have to be baptized into Christ. These are not my thoughts or my feelings or my preferences. This is literally what the Bible teaches us. And we need to understand that we examine passages like 1 Peter 3 and 21 because it literally tells us that baptism now saves you. And so I'll put it up on the screen behind me and notice what it says. Corresponding to that, and we're going to look at what that is here in a few moments, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of the dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we look at the antitype, right? We look at the method. We look at the response. And there are many in the religious world who do not believe that baptism saves us, which is an interesting thought process because Peter himself, the apostle, would disagree with that assertion because he literally writes in his letter that baptism now saves you. So how somebody could say that baptism, that you are saved before baptism, I just don't understand how they could read a verse like 1 Peter 3 and 21 and then come, to that, come away with that conclusion. And so we understand that Peter said to the contrary, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter tells us that baptism now saves us. Some have asked the question, well, is there a verse in the Bible? Can you show me? That why you believe that baptism now saves you? And then you go to 1 Peter 3 and 21. And then you show them the verse. And when we're having Bible conversations with people, I try to, I try to encourage this as often as possible. Have an open Bible, have a, a, an open app, show them some passages of Scripture as to why you believe what you believe, so that way when you're having these conversations, it's not Dave's opinion, it's not Russ's opinion or Charles's opinion. No, this is literally what God says. And why is that important? Because Jesus said he was going to send the helper. And the helper was going to guide them into all truth, meaning the Holy Spirit. 
And so, brethren, let's get started with breaking this down this morning. Like I said, we're going to look at three parts. The antitype, the method, and the response. And so we're going to start with the antitype here this morning. But what exactly is an antitype? I mean, that's the question that many people would ask. Well, if you were to understand what an antitype is, it's something that corresponds to or is similar in pattern. An antitype is something that corresponds to something or is similar in pattern. And so in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 20, if you had your Bibles open there, you're going to see that he's talking about the waters of the flood, and then he's going to say, in like manner, baptism now saves you. So in 1 Peter in chapter 3 and verse 20, you see the water of the flood being compared to the waters of baptism. So Peter calls the water of baptism an antitype, so to speak. It's something that you could draw a parallel to. It's something that you could compare to or look to a pattern. And so when you see this, the waters of the flood saved eight souls. Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their wives. They were saved through water. Likewise, we too are saved through water. And so you, you look at the scriptures. You go back and you see Genesis chapter 6 on the screen behind me. God saved Noah and his family by water from a sinful world. And in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 12, it literally says, God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all the flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. But when we go back and we look at the scriptures, we learn that the waters of baptism also save us from a sin-laden world here today, does it not? And so if you wish to become a member of the body of Christ, if you wish to be added to the church, you have to then follow the pattern, the antitype, if you will, that God has set in motion. And so we learn about the waters of baptism and how it saves us from the sin-filled world today, just as the waters saved Noah and his family during the time of the great flood. We also know that the Apostle John tells us that this world is sin-laden. 1 John chapter 2, 15 through 17 talks about this. Romans chapter 3 and verse 9. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. There are many passages of scripture that we can look to that says that that shows us how the world is full of sin, and that there are none righteous, not even one, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. Now turn your Bibles if you like to look at the Bible uh, in Romans chapter 6. I'll have it on the screen behind me, but it's a little bit more uh, uh, of the several verses that are on there, so it might be a little harder for some of you to read. So I'll give you a second to turn to Romans chapter 6, because as we're talking about baptism, as we look at passages like uh, Acts 2 and 38, as we look at uh, Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 22, we go, to, we go to the book of Acts because every example of conversion, every example of baptism is within the book of Acts. And so we look at that as the authority for what it has to say. But we also notice in Romans chapter 6, it's going to talk about baptism. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 3 through 6, notice what the Apostle Paul, guided by the Holy Spirit, had to say on the topic. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. And if I pause there at verse 4, you see a baptistry behind me. It's full of water. There is literally nothing magic about that water. We're simply following a pattern that God had prescribed if we wish to attain salvation. Jesus was hung up on a cross, and he died. We know that we are dead in our sins if we're outside of Christ. 
And so what we do is then we confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then we come and we bury the individual in the water. We raise the individual up. And so it's as if they are raised to newness of life. And so we are literally following the same pattern. Jesus died, he was buried in the tomb, and he was raised to newness of life. And so you get to these verses here in verses 3 through 6. Notice what verse 5 and 6 say. For if we have become united with him, Jesus, in the likeness of his death, baptism, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, meaning that we are raised up uh, from the water as a new creation. And in verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old self, our old sinful self, was crucified with Jesus, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Brothers and sisters, you look at this simple passage of Scripture, and it, it literally explains to us how we are saved. All right, we see the antitype, but we also see the method, and the method is baptism. Brothers and sisters, baptism is a line that divides Christians from non-Christians. Baptism is literally a line dividing the saved from the lost, from those in the church and those who are outside the church. Baptism is the line that is dividing the alien sinner from the saint who has dedicated their life to serving God. And so we understand what the purpose of baptism is. But we also need to remember that Noah and his family were separated from the world and saved through water, just like we are separated from the world. That is why it tells us in the book of Romans that we have been uh, sanctified, right? We have been separated. And how is it that we were sanctified? How is it that we were uh, separated? It is through putting on Christ Jesus in baptism in the likeness of his death and resurrection, and that God in Acts 2 and 47 picks us up, adds us to the church, and that we know that at that point, we are now in the church, we are saved, our sins are washed away, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we are set apart from a sin-filled world, just like the righteousness and faithfulness of Noah and his family were put into the ark, were put into the church, and were both saved through water. So you look at what the scriptures teach, it becomes very clear as to how one is saved. And so today, in like manner, Christians are separated from the world through water. And so now we look at the next aspect. That's the antitype. But now we're going to look at the method, right? Christ's method for salvation is baptism. So ask yourself, why did Peter find it, find it necessary that he should say that baptism saves us? You don't think that Jesus knew as he sent the Holy Spirit that there were going to be people who questioned his teachings and who would start to then introduce heresy and false teaching after he had left? Every book of the New Testament teaches about false teachers. It warns about false teachers. So you can be aware of these things, that Jesus had said these things were going to happen. And so we have verses like 1 Peter 3 and 21, because God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, knew that it would need to be said clearly that baptism now saves you. And so, brethren, the answer is simple. Peter received his instructions and his teachings from the Holy Spirit of God himself. Why? Because notice what it says in John chapter 14 and in verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Well, think about that. Ask yourself, what did Peter remember that Jesus had said to him? 
Well, it's simple because it's recorded in Scripture. You don't have to take my word for it. I'll show you what the Word of God says. Because in Matthew chapter 28, in verses 18 through 20, Matthew, also an apostle, Peter, also an apostle, there with Jesus, while Jesus gave his instructions, told them, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Uh, that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Is that difficult to understand? Jesus has all authority. He has all power in heaven and on earth. We're to go and to make disciples. How does one make a disciple? We teach. And then we get them to, to understand all that the scriptures teach by opening up said word. And then we study the word with them. They, de de they determine that they believe it. Romans 10 and 17. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word of God. And then after they believe it, they trust it. And then they're obedient to it. And so when the men said, what must I do to be saved? When the uh, Philippian jailer had said that, uh, the, the men of Acts chapter 2 had said that, and what did Peter tell them? What did Paul tell the Philippian jailer? He says, repent and be baptized, each and every one of you. And so you study out these scriptures here this morning. Look at the next one. We know that Mark was also, uh, uh, Mark uh, in chapter 16 and verse 16 says, and he said to them, Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. Is belief and baptism in this verse one or separate from one another, or are they one and the same? Right? You need to believe and be baptized. It didn't just say have faith and just believe. It said you had to believe and be baptized, not to join a congregation, but to, in order to become a member of the Lord's church, to be in Christ, just like we've seen in Romans chapter 6 here this morning in verse 3 through 6. And so, brethren, we look at one more here in John chapter 3 and verse 5. Jesus had told, uh, told us through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is he talking about, unless one is born of water and the Spirit? Well, in Acts chapter 2, what did Peter say that you receive upon your baptism? You receive the Holy Spirit, right? And you also are baptized in the water. One cannot enter the kingdom of heaven without water and Spirit. And you know, brethren, that God himself adds you to the kingdom. You look at these passages of Scripture here this morning. Brothers and sisters, if you believe that you were saved before you were baptized, well, then you believe, your beliefs are contrary to the Holy Spirit of God. Your beliefs are contrary to the Word of God. And then you need to ask yourself, how do I fix it? What do I do about it? Well, you study to show yourself approved. You have somebody sit down with you. Go over the oracles of God. Study the word of God. Have all your questions answered because God's word provides the answers. 2 Peter 1 and 3 says that Peter was given by the Holy Spirit everything that we need to teach that regards to life and godliness. And so you look at the scriptures and some will say, but Dave, doesn't the Bible say that Christ saves us? So how can baptism save us and Christ save us? Well, let's talk about that. You need to consider Noah and his family for a moment. When you consider Noah and his family, God was the authority and the power that saved Noah. Amen? He was the power and the authority that saved Noah. What was the method that God had used to save Noah? He was saved through the water. What was the place in which he was saved? He was saved through the ark. 
So the method was the water, the place was the ark, and the power and the authority came from Jesus Christ. Likewise, us Christians, or those who live post-cross, Christ and his blood are the authority and the power that saves us. Because all the power and all authority have been given to Jesus Christ. And so it is, it's his blood and his authority and his power that saves us. Baptism is the method and the church is the place. And you can see how baptism is the antitype of what happened to Noah in the flood. We're saved. Both of us have been saved through water. You have the ark, which is the antitype of the church. And you have the method. And so, brethren, we look at the scriptures here, and so both Christ and baptism saves us. Because it is the power of Christ, the sacrifice that he made, and it is us adhering and being obedient to his word, like Romans 6 and 3 says, that we cannot get into Christ without being obedient to his very word. And so because Christ Jesus is the power and baptism and water is the method, we then have an opportunity at salvation for all who will live faithfully unto God. So, brethren, we look at the scriptures here this morning, and some have, some have asked if baptism, uh, is, is it for everybody or was it just for the Jews? How do I reconcile maybe what I, what I thought that it was always just for the Jews? Well, the question is easily answered because Peter's comparison in 1 Peter chapter 3 and 21 goes all the way back to Noah. Noah wasn't a Jew. And did you ever wonder where the term Jew comes from? It's because those who came back out of Babylonian captivity were then from the tribe of Judah. Those who were taken captive by the, uh, the northern tribes, by the Assyrian captivity, they had pretty much faded from existence. And so those who had returned to build the temple after the 70 years, which was prophesied, uh, they had come back and they were then started to be known as Jews because they were of the tribe of Judah. And so some would ask, well, is it just for Jews? Well, no, because you think about it. If you believe, right, and you, and you study out these scriptures... The question is answered because uh, Peter in 1 chapter 3 goes all the way back to Noah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years be before there ever was a tribe of Judah. Before there ever was a Jacob and his 12 sons who went on to be the 12, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. So Noah was not a Jew. And so the flood applied to the whole world. And baptism correspondingly is not just for the Jews, but it applies to the whole world. Brethren, remember, if you go back to even in the book of Acts, we have the Gentiles like the Philippian jailer and the Gentile uh, Cornelius who were also saved through water. We think about the Ethiopian eunuch who was saved through water. It is not something that was just for the Jews. It is for all mankind. And lastly, before I close this lesson down, uh, we're going to look at now the response for salvation, which is on man's part, right? Baptism is not putting away the filth of the flesh like it talks about in 1 Peter 3 and 21, meaning that we're not taking a bath to simply get clean. It is not uh, the Jewish practice of immersion, which was simply for ceremonial uncleanness. We know that for baptism to save, one must have the right understanding and one must have the right attitude. For example, somebody is not saved because they dived into a pool of water, no, because they, did, they dove into a pool of water for other reasons and not with proper understanding and proper obedience. So let's also look at what baptism is not. Baptism isn't John, John the Baptist's baptism, as we read about in Acts 19. Baptism is, is, is not because you are already saved. It is not baptism to become a member of a local congregation. It is not baptism to be uh, baptized as an infant. Baptism is the answer 
and the demand of God to a clear and good conscience. Well, what is a good conscience? Some have suggested that individuals who have a good conscience are those who already are saved because they believe. But brethren, that is not true, because just simply ask yourself, why did Peter say then that baptism saves us as he was guided by the Holy Spirit? You see, brethren, before I close this lesson now, we'll look at one more passage of Scripture. Because a good conscience is someone who acts honestly upon the information that they receive. Jesus was always rebuking the Jews, the leadership of the Jews. He said, because you have eyes to see, but you cannot see. You have ears to hear, but you cannot hear. And then we know that in the scriptures, Jesus preaches a parable of the various soils, the various heart conditions. And in Luke chapter 8 and verse 15, Jesus tells us, but the seed but the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word with an honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit unto perseverance. Brethren, you look at this. Luke is simply telling us in this verse that when a person learns that he must be baptized to be saved, then he will be baptized in order to be saved. Not because Peter as a man said it, but because Peter as guided by the Holy Spirit said it. For all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for admonishment, for, for training up in righteousness. And we know that no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but, uh, but holy men spoke as they were moved by God. And so, brothers and sisters, those who have a bad conscience, who, those who have bad soil, those who have ears to hear but cannot hear and eyes to see but cannot ever understand, they will not be baptized because they don't have the right soil. They don't have the right heart condition. They don't have the right understanding. And so baptism is a command of God. It is not something we do because we're trying to earn our way into heaven. It's not something we do because uh, we think we're better than other individuals. We are baptized because we realize we're wretched. We realize that we're sinners. And because of the, this realization, we ask out and we seek uh, answers as to what must I do? Brethren, what can I do? They asked Peter. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. For the remission of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And John in chapter 3, Jesus talking to Nicodemus said that if you wish to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be born of water and spirits. Brethren, today is the day. If you're sitting here today and you are not baptized, you are not a child of God, my goodness, what are you waiting for? You're hearing the truth week after week after week. You're, you're, hopefully you're studying your word. If you have ears to hear and you have uh, eyes to see, how can you not see that you are outside of Christ if you are not baptized to be in Christ? And so if that is you here this morning, please remember that today is the opportunity that you have, for we are not guaranteed tomorrow. It's not a scare tactic. It's the truth. Go home and turn on the news. Many people who are alive right now will not be alive later on today. And many of them not because of illness or sickness, but because of evil that is in the world. And so it is not something we try to scare people into. We want you to know that if you've come to the knowledge of the truth, then even though you have that knowledge, you may believe all that the scriptures teach, but if you are not baptized, you are still outside of the church. You are not in Christ, and therefore you will not be saved. Plain and simple. So I beg you, if you're here today, and you want to become a child of God. You want to be saved. You want to go to heaven if you live faithfully after your baptism. 
Then come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.